opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised that that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously any dissent what's it well, we know who the hard left who associate with the hard left you just said that we were right to right wing the hard left agenda printing money nationalisation without compensation that's a hard left wing position hard left the 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 hard There's a few things I've watched, but nothing super good, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can like start with a, a sort of ramble, and then you know a State of the Union address, <laughs> and then get just sort of get to uh, yeah what we've been watching, that kind of stuff. I saw like yeah, have I mentioned before? There's there's like certain people on the hard left, shall we say, who think that like the best way to respond to like disingenuous accusations that the left are anti-semitic is just to like wantonly throw disingenuous accusations about other people being anti-semitic around be they like <laughs> jewish people our political opponents in general just filmmakers we don't like in this one particular case <laughs> I, won't, I won't name him, but yeah, saying how angry he was watching Black Klansman, and what made me angry was Spike Lee casting a non-Jewish actor in a Jewish role. I was like, what? But it turns <laughs> out Adam Driver's not Jewish. I I totally thought he was, but um... right, yeah. <laughs> okay, Felix. Out of respect for this organization, I'll play along with your little get smart bullshit, but I'm no fucking Jew. But yeah, um, like Adam Driver in plays just a Jewish Jew face. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were saying that he has a very Jewish face, but I you mean he's a non-Jewish person playing a, uh, a, Jew, a Jew. Yeah, okay. Yes, has <laughs> a black face. Yeah. You thought you were just like, but you got a Jew face, bro. <laughs> it's okay if you say it. Like, I, <laughs> like I say, if 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 a Jewish person says says it, it's not anti-Semitic. It's in a rich tradition of uh, self-deprecating <laughs> comedy. Um, but but yeah. Anyway, I was I was thinking. I, I saw that and I was like, man, if you think like casting Adam Driver as this like totally sympathetic Jewish character is <laughs> problematic and possibly anti-Semitic, wait till you watch Mo Better Blues, where um, it, Italian American <laughs> actors. Uh, Nicholas Turturro and John Turturro were cast by Spike Lee as two, like, shady Jewish music industry guys <laughs> who were, like, exploiting black artists. My name is Dreidel Lachaim. This is racially insensitive. Yeah, yeah, like the guys from Walk Hard, the Jimmy Cox story, basically. <laughs> like, it's, like, they must have, have uh, had that in mind when, when they... Um, you know, they cast, they cast like, well, they created the characters that like Harold Ramis and, and, and so on. Yeah, Walk Hard is great, man. I just, uh. Always a great movie to shout out. Yeah, yeah I couldn't be bothered to actually listen to the album because I'm sure it's like more than an hour long. But like, I was just checking out the lyrics to Mark Kozilek's second post cancellation album. Um, because <laughs> he, he's put out two albums already this year. There's one which was the Sun Kill Moon album that was supposed to come out, like, last year, before the allegations about him came out, and then it got shelved. But I think it's I think it's the same album. I don't think anything right. about it has, like, changed since the middle of last year. Um, 
I just didn't waited act- for a more opportune time to release it. Yeah, exactly. I didn't actually bother to check that one out at all, but, like, the the second one was, like, I don't know if, like, his regular musical collaborators just don't want to work with him anymore because, like, I never heard of the guy who, like, wrote all the music on the album, but, uh, <laughs> like, I just read through the lyrics and there was, like, the occasional, like allusion to that he may have potentially done something wrong like there's a song which is just like i'm sorry baby i really love you baby i'm sorry i didn't mean to hurt you i'm sorry that i made you cry uh probably less poetic than jealous guy by john lennon but like he um yeah he (laughs) so uh, the lyrics were all just like for the most part it was like he was um clearly like something had changed in his life but he didn't want to actually like literally state what it was which when you're Mark Kozilek is a bit of a problem given that his whole mode of songwriting is just like spewing whatever the fuck he did or thought a particular day but yeah there was like you know there were some good lyrics on the album there's one verse which is just like I watched Walk hard for Dewey Cox story the whole way through. <laughs> I rewound it back to. I'm just. This, I'm just approximating what the Kozilek, uh vocal mel quote unquote vocal melody would be it's like. It's authentic, yeah. <laughs> well, I watched the. Well, I watched the Walk hard for Dewey Cox story the whole way through. I thought it was so funny when his dad said the wrong kid died. <laughs> Man, I told Here's you. a great line. I told you on the Sons of Anarchy episode I've been watching Justified. I finished it now, actually. But uh, the dad of Timothy Oliphant's character in Justified is played by the guy who plays Dewey Cox's dad in Walk Harbor Dewey Cox story. (laughs) But there's only one way to settle this. Machetes. What? The right kid is gonna die tonight. (laughs) Great. And, like, they've got a very, like, difficult relationship as well, so it's very much mirroring the, the uh, <laughs> Cox Senior and Junior relationship. Great. He's an outlaw. His son's a lawman. You know, what are you going to do? Wrong kid, Dad. <laughs> I'm just being, yeah, I've been getting my fix of uh, Walton Goggins from, from that show. Um, Justified? Justified, yeah, really, really. I don't awesome. think I've I, I heard of that one. Um. It's I kind of thought oh it's just going to be like sort of mediocre, but it's like honest to god one of my favourite shows I've ever watched. Like okay, there's there's so many good character actors who appear in it like throughout. Like even Michael Rappaport is really good in it. It made me think oh okay. you know he may be a like you know. Uh, somebody who like desperately wants to be black but is actually kind of racist <laughs> you're a cracker motherfucker man no, you, crack- you can't why yeah you, you can't because you know what because you know what a cracker is you know fuck donald trump fuck you you know what let me say dave why a who cracker brought the text in there i don't want I don't, this is you know what? What like do. a new york all right but a new yorker would never ask it because a cracker is the type of motherfucker Type of fucking painty white cracker motherfucker like this. I want to punch you in your motherfucking face. But like, uh, he is not a bad actor. He's just a fucking dickhead. (laughs) Yeah, true. They don't always go hand in hand. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of cancellations, um, I've got to announce actually that I'm leaving the show to focus on my new job as the banjo player for Mumford and Sons. <laughs> ah, have you heard about... Gig that. Yeah, have you heard <sighs> about the saga that's happening with their, with, 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 with the, the Mumford clan? <laughs> Mumford uh, and his no. sons. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm, a, I'm vaguely aware of who they are. They were playing at all the shitty nightclubs when I was in college. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, if but... you're making folk music and it can be quote unquote folk music and it can be played at a nightclub, you're doing something right. wrong. Should not. I've always maintained that that fucking kick drum that they have, like, like if you want to do folk music, like you want to do percussion on folk music, have like, you know, not this isn't a snare. This is just like my little drum, but it's just like it's just like. 
not boom, 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 boom on like a fucking like on a kick drum. <laughs> it's not people aren't supposed to dance to fucking folk music. It's out. Piss yeah, it's weird trying to imagine up, Bob Dylan, for example, playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, on Bob Dylan, it's like. Doom, 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 doom. You want that not a like building up to a fucking drop. You don't, don't have <laughs> drop. It's not dubstep. You don't have drops in folk music. Anyway, um, so, so is one of them or all of them being cancelled? One of the them news? has been cancelled. Uh, so essentially. Mumford and Sons banjo player, although he's actually also their lead guitarist, but it's just funnier to call him their banjo player. Um, <laughs> he um, has been essentially cancelled because are you familiar with a guy called uh, Andy? No, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how to say his name. Spell N G O. Um. The, the, the name sounds familiar, but I dickhead. couldn't say what I He's know. He's like, <laughs> uh, well, his new book is called Unmasked, and it's uh, about how Antifa are like, you know, number one terrorist threat to national security right. and democracy. Uh, he's so he's just one of those like far right assholes, basically. Um, but Winston- anti-fascists to the real fascists, yeah. Yeah. But Winston Marshall of the Banjo Easter of Mumford and Sons has uh, <laughs> at Mr. Win Marshall on Twitter has tweeted, "Congratulations at Mr. Andy No. Finally, have the time to read your important book. You're a brave man." Just uh, yeah, and then loads of people were like, "You're you're a fucking idiot. This guy has written a book about how." anti-fascists are terrible uh what do you think fascism is good or what uh anyway it now appears that as a result of the backlash winston marshall has deleted all of his tweets um (laughs) which mainly seem to be promoting cryptocurrency um (sighs) like apparently his father is like some big time investment banker there was like all this right. niche financial shit on his timeline, but I didn't really understand. But that's all gone now. <laughs> all of his like trying all to... that sage advice. Yeah, damn it. trying to promote uh, like cryptocurrency links between the city of London and Hong Kong. That's that project's <laughs> over now. Um, I will say that he his cover photo is of his his banjo in his hands. So. He, he does lean into the banjo player thing, despite also being the band's lead guitarist. Anyway, he has now shared a statement, um, which really made me laugh. <laughs> Over the past few days, I have come to better understand the pain caused by the book I endorsed. I have offended not only a lot of people I don't know, but also those closest to me, including my bandmates, and for that I am truly sorry. As a result of my actions, I am taking time away from the band to examine my blind spots. For now, please know that I now realise how my endorsements have the potential to be viewed as approvals of hateful, divisive behaviour. I apologise, as this was not at all my intention. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic. And I mean, like, my intention was not to hurt your feelings. I'm sorry if you got upset. You know. I mean, fair yeah. play to his <laughs> PR guy for really like summoning up the spirit of any interview with Gal Gadot. Which is just. <laughs> <laughs> Here is how the IDF press department taught me to speak. <laughs> right. Uh, but, um. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, it's so wooden. And just like the pain. Co- I guess he says the pain caused by the book. <laughs> but it's just like nobody is in pain because the Mumford and Sons guy is a right wing tosser. Like, you know, <laughs> people are just like, you know. People might be offended by uh, some some of the views, but nobody, you know, 
maybe there's like a handful of like do, do, do non-white people listen to Mumford and Sons? I mean, like <laughs> you know, there may be some people who like really for some reason hold this awful band dear to their hearts, and and are actually. Uh, feeling great pain at the fact that the, 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 the banjo meister of the Mumfords um, said, oh wow, it's really brave that this fascist has written this book about how anti-fascists are bad. Um, <laughs> but mostly I think people were mocking him <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, I was listening to the IndieCast podcast which uh steven hyden does and like he made this pretty funny remark about how he just imagined like um <laughs> like fucking marcus mumford like living in his mansion in the country just like with, like no internet no like running water or no like not no 21st century frivolities for marcus mumford he's just there like milking a cow like in in a room lit by candles like he milks the cow inside it's he really wants the rustic vibes uh you know he's got <laughs> he's like got a blacksmith's room inside his mansion where he he works <laughs> on makes he's making horseshoes or something yeah he's just there like sweltering the iron or whatever the phrase is the smelter <laughs> uh anyway um <laughs> I don't know enough about forging. Uh, yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't do enough metal work. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like apparently this isn't the first time that Winston Marshall has got the other Mumfords in uh, like in trouble. But yeah, well, yeah, but like, sorry, the the idea was just like Marcus Marcus Mumford, just like yeah, a me- a messenger, uh, a sentry like rides into his manor like on a horseback <laughs> and is like M- mr mumford sir it appears that uh, that winston has uh, has endorsed the alt-right again because he, he's got the mumfords into hot water before because like the, uh because winston marshall was a fan of his like jordan peterson came to visit them at the studio and had a picture ah, with all of them great wow and like i have to say that this like came at a time for me when i was particularly ill disposed towards mumford and sons <laughs> and i'm never particularly well disposed towards them but i've been compiling one of my masterful definitive neil young bootlegs of the 2011 bridge school benefit and um mumford and sons played and Neil guested during their performance. And they performed a Neil Young song, which is an outtake from the Harvest album, called Dance, Dance, Dance. Except, because Marcus Mumford is from, like, round these parts, from, like, Surrey, probably went to the private school a couple of towns away, he actually <laughs> sang... An, uh, 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 something I didn't realise was a Neil Young song called Dance, Dance, Dance. Dance, Dance, Dance. I've never heard of Dance, <laughs> Dance, Dance, but I know it sounded fucking awful and it's why fucking British people shouldn't make fucking music. Like, all the good, <laughs> all the good British people who made music, they make American music. Rock and roll is American, British people are appropriating it, <laughs> like that's fine cancel the uk yeah 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 exactly problematic pretty problematic uk problematic much but no like all right i'm going on off on a bit of a rant here but like you know i i appropriate <laughs> american music and i have the decency not to try and like sing like a fucking like city of london stockbroker when i do it i mean i i just think it's like it I never realised that Marcus Mumford didn't just put on a sort of, like, pseudo-American accent. So it's like, you know, it's good. It's too... You know, I'm just annoyed. It's... it's... <laughs> yeah, look. Dance, dance, dance. 
Yeah, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, like, you listen to a Rolling Stones country song, Mick Jagger is doing an absolutely outrageous uh, impression of a, a, a person from the southern United States. You don't have to go quite that far, but, like, if that kind of, like, de- self-debasement is good enough for a, a rock and roll great like Mick Jagger, uh, then don't tell me it's not good enough for Mumford and the Sons. Yeah, here, here. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did make a tweet about how um, I'm a new, I'm a new ba- I'm a new banjo player for Mumford and Sons is Van Morrison. Because Van Morrison <laughs> has just announced a new album called uh, Latest Record Project, uh, ominously, Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a double album with 35 songs on it. And uh, among the songs is uh, one I can't wait to hear, which is called uh, They Own the Media. Nah. <laughs> 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 Now, everyone's like, which appears to be an anti-Semitic slur. I'm just like, now, Van Morrison is an artist of the stature, but I don't know, maybe he does have the kind of independence that he could just do a straight-up anti-Semitic song and still actually get it onto his album uh, without anyone, like, having it removed. But also, I probably think that it's about the people in the entertainment industry who have wronged Van Morrison, who may or may not be Jewish. I mean, as far as I know, it was like the Irish mob or something who controlled the record company that he had problems with in the 60s. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I th- I think... The Irish mob, all famously Jewish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the Irish Jews... <laughs> one of the I remember their Sons of Anarchy storyline. Those guys just they kept <laughs> buying more and more weapons, and uh, but yeah, like nine times out of ten, like Van Morrison, if he is angry at somebody, it may be the government cramping his style by enforcing a, a lockdown because of this so-called pandemic. It may be them, but that's only a fairly recent development. In fact, almost all of the angry and vitriolic Van Morrison songs I've heard, which is quite a few, have been directed at the bastards in the entertainment industry who have wronged him so. Right. (laughs) But, you know, they could be Jewish. It could be uh, the characters from Mo' Better Blues. The walk hard, walk hard for Dewey Cox story. <laughs> the suits from the record company just got here. Oh, okay. Scared? A little. Well, you should be. Those Jews control show business. <laughs> Look, it's the Jews who control the media. They, they, they own it. Okay. <laughs> no, they don't. Those five. Mr. Laheim and Mr. Mazentov, <laughs> as I believe they're called in, in Walk Hard. <laughs> I'll try and find and do a dramatic reading of those Mark Kozilek lyrics about Walk Hard for Dewey Cox story. <laughs> I've just been posting so many clips of Walton Goggins in various shows on Twitter that that's taking up most of the images tab. Look at us. Just a couple of honest apes working it the fuck out. Oh yeah, I also saw, so I was looking on Discogs the other day. Uh, Specifically, it was the discography of a guy called Matt Sweeney, who plays with Bonnie Prince Billy and has played with a massive amount of people like Johnny Cash Neil Diamond Adele Endless Boogie Songhoi Blues uh, lots of cool like indie artists like that Uh, the list goes on you know Jake Bug the crappy British indie also ran (laughs) but yeah lots of very good people but anyway I saw that he like contributed to this release called the Artemis Ward uh, which was a compilation 
um, the sound of 2013. Anyway, it says, like, in brackets, like, describing the format of this release. Brackets. CD. Comp. It's in compilation. Jute. <laughs> I was like, I beg your pardon? Apparently this means dual case. Which is just like... No. <laughs> I, I can see, I can't think what another abbreviation of dual case would be, but maybe like JC... But admittedly, Jesus that's Christ! That, yeah, that stands for other things, <laughs> I know. But maybe like there's not a like format of CD uh, style of CD yeah. case. Uh, but yeah, I, but I thought that was so weird because like up until a few years ago, almost every CD came in a plastic case, like a, a so-called dual case. Um, mm. Now, like cardboard cases seem to be a bit more popular, but. Yeah, I really remember up until, like, you know, I remember the design changed a bit in 2007, but then that design never seemed to catch on, and then the sort of, like, vinyl replica cases came in. But, yeah, it's it's strange in that regard, given the preponderance of plastic CD cases, but you don't see Jew more often on right. Discogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's an unusual place to uh, just be bombarded with a Jew out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, anyway, here's for Mark Kozilek lyrics. I watched Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story from beginning to end. I rewound the part where Dewey's brother was halved. When Dewey with his machete cuts his brother in half. Yeah, I left and left. I rewound it so many times for laughs. I love when the doctor says to his parents, This is the worst case I ever seen of a kid getting cut in half. Yeah, <laughs> that's the bit. And then they have a sample of uh, one of the parents, like, Speak English, Doc. I ain't no scientist. <laughs> this was a particularly bad case of somebody being cut in half. I was not able to reattach the top half of his body to the bottom half of his body. Speak English, Doc. We ain't scientists. I'm sorry, folks. He's he's gone. Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! It's all your fault, Dewey Cox. Oh, Paul, you don't mean that. It's not his fault. He cut him in half with a machete. <laughs> So, um, what have you watched recently? <laughs> I guess. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, as I mentioned to you, uh, I did see Malcolm and Marie. Oh, yeah, that was a film that was, like, quite widely derided. Yeah, uh, and I can definitely see why. Unfortunately, it was also probably the best film that I've seen recently, which is... Uh, Damn, yeah. how, how much does the other <laughs> shit you've watched fucking suck, man? <laughs> uh, pretty bad, pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, what, what, what did intrigue me about Malcolm and Marie is that, like, it seemed like if you took a first-year film student and gave <laughs> them a budget and asked them to shoot their concept of like a high art kind of American indie film, this would be what you would get. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's made by uh, the scion of privilege. I mean, the director, uh, Sam Levinson, is the son of Barry Levinson, who's quite a well known mm. and uh, quite successful director and producer who's been, uh, I think, active since the 70s. Okay, because I was looking through Sam Levinson's filmography, and I don't think I've seen anything else. You will have seen some uh, Barry Levinson stuff, though. Like, oh, I believe you, sure. Rain Man and shit. I, uh, mean, I haven't seen Rain Man. Neither but... have I actually come into that. No, I named that <laughs> just because it's like one of his most A lot of people have, films. yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good Morning Vietnam with uh, Robin Williams, which I've never seen. I saw seen. Wag the Dog. Yeah, Wag the Dog's pretty funny. Written by um, David Mamet before his move to the right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think Wag to the Dog is pretty good, actually. Um, okay. Well, I've, uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of good old Barry's films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Levinson Senior. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> this is my first entry in the Sam Levinson canon. Uh, <laughs> and it's nowhere near his first film, is it? It's... Bar- Barry and Sam should form a folk rock band to corner a market that has recently been vacated. A very banjo heavy <laughs> folk rock band called Levinson and Sons. <laughs> Both uh, of them on banjo. Is, like, is that like Klezma cl- cl- folk? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Is he? Jew- yeah, he's Ru- Russian Jewish descent. Yeah, they could incorporate like <laughs> Jewish uh, folk music vibes into it. Yeah, just imagine those klezmatic melodies played on ba- on two banjos. <laughs> two banjos. With the snare drum. Oh, yeah, 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 the kick drum, uh, 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 I yeah. beg your pardon. The snare drum would be too Sorry. listenable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My musical ignorance showing. <laughs> yeah, mm. just basically like it sounds like it's in, in the club, you know, boom, boom, boom. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> but it's for some reason in like a song like Milking the Cows. <laughs> and you have the milk, but it's taken. You know, when you're, you're dancing and you're milking sound. and you're milking and you're dancing. <laughs> and you're milking and you're dancing. <laughs> yeah, um, try to look at what are some other good Barry Levinson films. Not many recently, really, but um, yeah, he's, you know, he's done a few. Done. He's done some stuff. Yeah, but he's been there, done that, which uh, you, his son hasn't so much. So I went into this not knowing who directed. Like, so Sam Levinson, he's he's just a white guy, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it feels really weird retrospectively that this like film very much like superficially about blackness and black identity was directed and produced by this white guy did he write it <laughs> yeah he did he did I, he did write it yes written <laughs> solely wow. written yeah not like he had a black co-writer or anything <laughs> <laughs> they, they wouldn't know what they're talking about i got this uh taken care of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, even kurt sutter recruited a like hispanic writer for, for his <laughs> show about a hispanic motorcycle gang i just i guess political correctness isn't very high on sam levinson's to-do list but like <laughs> yeah no that's that's pretty um pretty fascinating actually because like it's a film sort of about a struggling artist, isn't it? In the form of, well, a filmmaker, yeah. a writer and director, much like Sam Levinson. Except he, like, <laughs> yeah, he projects this onto two black people. Yeah. And, like, a big part of the, like, subplot is to do with uh, Malcolm doesn't want to be seen as inherently making, like, political art movies just because he's a black director yeah which again just sounds really weird having been written by this white guy like, <laughs> i don't know weird weird take uh and especially because it kind of it does seem to come it debates a bit but it seems to generally come down to like on the side of everything doesn't have to be meaningful and you can just sometimes things are just what they are I think it is a question worth asking, like, you know, the work of people who are considered not to be, like, the standard people in society, you know, like black people, for example, in this case, um, does kind of, like, get inherently politicised, um, and... It definitely is, like, um, a question that a lot of black artists have pondered. Like, do, you know, why do I have to make, like, black movies? Why can't I just make a movie? 
Um, right. But but yeah, but like, it's just interesting that Sam Levinson has been thinking about this so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mean, honestly, if this had been like a Spike Lee film or something, it would have been so much less tone deaf. But then I guess that's part of the problem. I don't know. <laughs> and I, yeah, I will say there's nothing wrong, obviously, with him thinking about it. I mean, I was thinking about yeah. it just there. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, like, I did see the uh, uh, Zendaya. I don't want to fuck up her name. I don't know how you say it. But she, she did say like that she felt that like people had been slagging off the movie which also stars john david washington who is the son of denzel washington who's become quite a successful actor in his own right appearing in films like black Klansman and um mm. the rubbish christopher nolan oh tenet that's that's it um and and if they heard or read what sam levinson was saying and thought that yeah, you know, that is a fair point. That's a legitimate thing to be pondering. I've thought about that myself. Um, which they have protested in interviews. Um, then, you know, I think there's something to be said for that, whoever the script comes yeah, from. Sure. Um, you know, and it probably is, I mean, you know, it may be a bit tone deaf, but also if, like, Sam Levinson wrote a script about being a privileged white guy with some Jewish heritage and a wealthy and famous dad. Like, that might come across as even more tone deaf if he was just talking about right. like, the <laughs> terrible hardships of, of that. You know, like that Robin Thicke quote uh, we were talking about when we had FFF on, where he was like, oh, you know, actually, my parents being famous made my life immeasurably worse. <laughs> Something, it, it might come across like that. Uh, whereas, I guess, like, maybe um, Zendaya and John David Washington uh, read the script and were like, well, you know, wherever this guy's coming from, I've, I've felt this as well, and I think that he's making a legitimate point however that <laughs> does not say absolutely anything about the quality of the film like it could be absolute garbage yeah for all i know right. uh, you know just because <laughs> something can be like defended on like an ethical level uh hypothetically yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean that you know i might conceivably watch the film and be like god that's just rubbish <laughs> yeah i mean sharknado is not a deeply unethical film but no, no, no. <laughs> no, uh, but while while we're on the subject, though, like I'll, I will say, there are positives about the film, and yeah, Z Zendaya and uh, John David Washington's performances are good. They're solid performances. I, you know, um, they. I would say almost entirely on the basis of their performances that carried my interest through the film. Mm. Uh, the, the writing itself was not good, but performed well enough reading the ingredients list on a food item is almost interesting i don't know it's <laughs> and cinematography wise when i said it was very film studies i don't know it's not necessarily bad in that respect it's almost entirely the scripting like the the the, the plot uh development and, and speed that is lacking and I, I like movies that take kind of weird tacks like in this case being a movie that just has two characters throughout mm. the whole thing and it's just based around one argument i think that's a lovely little concept that could make uh you know a very interesting story or it could make a very dull story yeah uh, and instead, you kind of get this that keeps building to a sexual peak, and then they don't fuck, uh, and they get back to arguing, and Eyes then it happens again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, blue balls, blue balls. No. Uh, <laughs> it, it did just kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, well, it's getting really hot and steamy. I wonder what's going to happen now. <laughs> it's going to go wrong. Um, and. So they yeah. just be, they'd just be about to fuck, and then one of them would say something that would like provoke an intense discussion about yeah. the, the political nature of art. Or, or they would just like suddenly get really pissy about something that happened 
in like the previous like three scenes ago like <laughs> uh yeah and, and <laughs> yeah it, 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 it becomes just exhausting it's like 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 you're going through some kind of domestic fight situation uh and and, and it just keeps on settling down and you're like okay good it's almost over then, oh no it, we're back to fighting uh. <laughs> it's like come here baby i love you you know what this reminds me of that scene in your film and how this happened what that wasn't what i meant with that scene at all <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah so so much hate for the critics <laughs> yeah that that also made me like i i saw a load of people saying that the critic the way that they criticize the critics in the film is a bit of a straw man because they're just like you know oh it's just this like fucking fat loser white guy from like the la times or something but anyway like the person who actually holds that job in real life is like a very progressive person of color so it's, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like you know maybe if they had attacked a specific at least i guess they can have plausible deniability and they can be like well yeah because we didn't mean that person who actually writes that paper in real life. <laughs> uh but yeah like apparently the portrayal of the critics is pretty dishonest i mean i've rarely fucking seen well, what th- she does what the critic says in the movie about his movie within the movie is that it's got good like racial politics basically but at it, it does sort of overly sexualize the protagonist in a, a way that's sort of uh, problematic or sexist <laughs> and, and, and yeah, there's so so much time spent. It's like you you don't get to compliment me for being this black filmmaker, be, making black movies, and then put me down for because I'm also a man. Uh, uh, <laughs> political correctness gone mad, sort of thing. Goddamn Karens. <laughs> yeah, I I guess I I've never seen a film that includes a character who's a critic that doesn't portray the critic as like a soulless fucking husk of a human being (laughs) exists solely to tear others down on a seemingly arbitrary basis and in fact simply pretends to dislike things that despite seemingly being capable of no kind of joy or indeed any positive emotion, they actually secretly do really like. I mean, like, the probably most egregious examples of this I can think of are, I think, two films that came out in 2014. Uh, Alejandro Gonzalez in Uritu's Birdman, and John Favreau's Chef. Both featured characters who were critics, who just basically... Like, their job was just to, like... Um, swoop in to wherever like the film or the food is happening in the two films respectively Uh, like you know a fucking vampire just kind of like the the (laughs) air just turns cold when uh, when they uh, show up and then just like sit down like look down on everyone from their deeply upturned nose and just shit all over anyone who tries to do the things that these critics are not capable of because you know we all know that critics are just bitter failed artists (laughs) if you can't do criticize i guess Uh. (laughs) yeah 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 um like yeah that i can't think of like a film involving a critic where they're not portrayed that way critics are just portrayed as like vultures in every film i've ever seen and uh you know i'm sure some of them are but like um (laughs) i I think a lot of them not all critics yeah a lot of them probably really like films you know uh (laughs) or or whatever i mean they only spend their lives watching them right yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you don't understand. They're just pretending not to enjoy the latest Marvel movie. By the way, most Marvel movies get, in fact, really positive. Right, To yeah. a fault reviews. 
but um yeah they're just pretending to dislike this like hypothetical imaginary marvel movie that they might give a bad review at some (laughs) distant point in the future some unspecified juncture many years from now when the the endless brilliance of uh american corporate might finally runs out but um yeah they actually they secretly like it they don't have a higher standard at all because they literally spend all day every day having to watch films you know um (laughs) yeah it's just like literally it's just very strange that filmmakers who presumably also spend a lot of time immersed in film uh seem to think that that this is that this is the case that like somebody who um watches films for a living should just accept any old crap that's shat out to them uh <laughs> shat into their mouths and um, say thank you yeah exactly drink the shit down the liquid shit <laughs> well let's see if Lovely. they employ me as marvel spokesman <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's a job offer waiting in your inbox um so yeah what have i watched i watched justified it was pretty awesome walton goggins is pretty great in that lots of great performances margot martindale in that as uh um oh shit i already used the phrase steely matriarch in the last episode (laughs) fuck it steely matriarch of a marijuana growing crime family where like she's got three sons uh who are alive that is and like one of them is the local corrupt cop and like the other two are just like the stupidest fucks who have ever lived uh quite insanely <laughs> stupid characters uh who are also always high as well because like the the main thing of the, the mags bennett gang uh is that they grow lots of weed um <laughs> there yeah there's nice. so many good uh character actors who show up in the course of justified Sam Elliott, for example, uh, he shows up with Mary Steenburgen. Um, oh God, who else? It's, it's not quite enough uh, cameos from former Shield cast members for my liking, to be honest. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess you've got Walton Goggins as sort of like the. Well, the main character of the series is Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Gibbons, played by Timothy Oliphant. Um, and he is pretty much just a hero. But then you have Walton Goggins as kind of the show's anti-hero. And he's not quite the villain of the show, because you usually have someone per season who's, like, more evil than he is. Like, um, you know, like Margot Martindale's character... Or um, Michael Rappaport's character in season five, or who else is in it? Mm. Um, yeah, Sam Elliott without a mustache. Sam Elliott also plays a weed guy in it. It's <laughs> like a marijuana <laughs> grower. Patton Oswalt as a bumbling law enforcement officer who aspires to be like Raylan, but lacks skill and a lot of common sense. Ah, uh, that guy's alright. There's a really funny bit where, like, some gangsters, like, get on the wrong side of Patton Oswalt and he just shoots them. With, well, he just, like, goes at them with a machine gun. Um, doesn't hit them at all because he's completely incompetent. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to mention um, that you have Jerry Burns. Uh, Jerry spelt like G-E-R... Sorry, J-E-R-E. Was that, is that how you say it? Or is it Jerry? I have, that's weird, yeah, no idea. Yeah, anyway, I'm just going to say Jerry. He plays Win Duffy, <laughs> who's who's this, like... He, well, he's like a gangster who works for the Dixie Mafia, but he's, like... Which, by the way, like, coolest mafia. But, like, he... <laughs> he's, like... So... Fucking... He's got a face like a horse... I don't mean to. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean, but like he's just got <laughs> such like a long face. I thought he was Ray McKinnon, 
who's got a, di a similarly horsey kind of face, but Ray McKinnon's face is more kind of like Adam Driver, I guess. Not what you were saying about Adam Driver's face earlier. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Ray McKinnon's uh, Southern Gentile. But um, yeah, like Jerry Burns has just got, he's got these like mad eyebrows and just like, just a crazy face. Uh, I just fucking love the guy so much. Like he, he's always, um, he plays his character who like, he's always operating out of a motor home with one henchman at any time usually a, i think for most of the time a guy called mikey uh, or well he he reveals later on that he doesn't like being called mikey but a guy who who win affectionately refers to as mikey and it's just so funny like <laughs> just like raylan mm. will just turn up to the motor home jerry burns and walton goggins will just be like sitting looking sheepishly like clearly in the middle of some kind of criminal negotiation <laughs> and it'll they'll always look like a teenager whose dad has just walked in on him masturbating or something <laughs> whenever they get caught having their criminal summits even though like they never get arrested or anything because they're like just talking yeah that I, I there's something intensely funny about that character but man, Walton Goggins is amazing as Boyd Crowder. He starts the series as a, a white supremacist and um, a preacher who has found God and also joined the white supremacist brotherhood in prison uh, because he's like a big time bank robber. But then um, as the first series goes on, he renounces both white supremacism and his faith in christ for Yay. different reasons and so for the rest of the season this character played by walton sorry for the rest of the series the rest of the six series this character played by walton goggins becomes a lot more likable because although he does still have a swastika tattoo he's no longer expressing nazi views and he's more just like being a criminal and like Robin Banks and being an outlaw and being cool and speaking in that mellifluous Walton Goggins style. It's just such a beautiful like musical drawl to everything he says. Like there's this awesome scene in the last, uh, like the penultimate episode where this guy is like, well, so like Walton Goggins is, um, fiance has like shot him and stolen a load of money so he like escaped from hospital to go and find her and um he like basically holds this guy up and gets him to drive him up into the mountains and then this guy is like playing nice with him most of the time but till the end at the end he kind of reveals that maybe he's not so pro boyd crowder as he said he was when he was like man use like the new bill of the kid or something he starts saying you 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 remember a guy by the name of i don't know like marshall spats or something and walton goggins is like now let me guess i killed him or my man killed him oh my dope killed him <laughs> and he's just like uh <laughs> He, he, he says, you know, people, like, they say the same thing to me every time. What they always ask is, how do you sleep at night? Well, I sleep just fine, thank you. Like, who, just because I don't play by your rules. Goes off on some awesome, like, just because I don't <laughs> play by the rules of society kind of rant. Um, and then the guy is just, like, dumbfounded at this, and he's like, you ain't even heard what I got to say. And Walton Goggins is just like, I don't give a shit what you gotta say. I'm an outlaw. And then just shoots him in the head. <laughs> yeah. It's not too big a spoiler because that character isn't like a major character in the show. He just, he, he's just a plot device to drive Walton Goggins' character from A to B. So yeah, not too big a spoiler that <laughs> he caps him. Old boy by the name of Huck McKean mean anything to you? Let me guess, I killed him. My men killed him. My dope killed him and my daddy killed him. Next thing comes out of your mouth is, how do you sleep at night, boy Crowder? Well, 
Do you know how? Because I know who I am. Do you? You're a slave. Disenfranchised, don't even know it. You drive your shitty truck to your shitty house, live out your shitty life. You think you're better than me because you play by the rules? Whose rules? My life is my own. You ain't even heard a word I said. I don't give a shit about what you said. I'm an outlaw. But yeah, like the very first thing you see Walton Goggins' character do is fire a bazooka into a black church. What? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Literally, he's a, he's like a, an explosive expert in it. But it turns out that 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 the attack on the black church was actually just a decoy so that he could rob a bank. Like even in the first episode, <laughs> he's not really that asked about the white supremacism stuff. He's mainly he, he just this. doesn't care enough about black lives to not blow them up. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he kills anyone, you know? It's, it's like one of those, like, safe bazooka attacks where no one gets Oh, killed. I see. <laughs> yeah, Had the safety I... on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bazooka safety. <laughs> Turned yeah. off team kill, you know, yeah. Yeah, man. No, it's... Uh... It's a really awesome show, Justified. I've really enjoyed it, and so I've just been on a big Walton Goggins kick. He's done these two shows with Danny McBride. There's one which is called Vice Principles, which is a really funny one. Gamby, I think I speak for everyone here when I say you're a jerk-off, and no one wants to sign your stupid letter. Stupid letter? Yeah. You know, I'm getting pretty sick and tired of that know-it-all mouth of yours, Russell. Oh, well then, make your move, motherfucker. Where the two of them play the principals of this school, and then uh, in the first episode, Bill Murray plays the retiring headmaster. Oh, excellent. And he reveals to them uh, that he doesn't trust either of them to become the principal, (laughs) so he's going to bring in an outsider... Um, Kimberly Herbert Gregory. What else have I seen her in? Did a couple of episodes of Better Call Saul, apparently. Um, anyway, yeah, I swear <laughs> I've seen this woman some other stuff. But yeah, she's really funny. Um, and she, like, gets brought in, you know, this outsider to take over the school. And then so they spend the rest of the show, like, basically trying to get one up on her so that one of them, or both of them, possibly, can take her job so like um (laughs) one of the first things they do is they just burn her house down (laughs) it's such such, like over the top like um oh you gonna break in bullshit fuck you no you're not stop pretending you think this is pretending oh shit Damn. Bitches first. <laughs> Big whoop. No dildos, no sex tapes. What kind of people have nothing to hide? Oops. Knock that shit off, Russell, okay? We're not here to destroy things. We're here for intel. You broke the fucking window. So that we could gain access here. That's it. Oh, please. Feels good breaking shit. Pick something. Anything, Gamby. Anything. Uh Uh-uh. No, sir. Okay? No. Knock that shit off, Lee, okay? Russell. Here you go, Neil. Break this one fucking coffee mug right here, then we'll go. This coffee mug? is laughing at you. Ha, 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 I bet I don't have a coffee mug like this. Do you have a coffee mug like this? World's best principal. Where's your fucking coffee mug, Neil Gamby? Why does fucking Belinda Brown deserve to have it? Fuck this mug. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Eat shit, Belinda Brown. You see that? You see how this went everywhere? Fuck yes, I did. It's fucking awesome is what it was. Break something else. Okay. What you gonna do? Where you gonna go? Where you going? Check this. Check this out. This is her head. Watch this. That's right. What else should I fucking destroy oh, here? Pick, pick it. You want to take Woo. my job? Boom! Look at that, huh? Boom. You want to take my fucking job? Boom! Oh, yeah.
Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> me? Your turn. You? Me? Watch this. Well, you got Lee. What you gonna do? Oh, you going for the picture. Oh, oh. You going for the fine arts department. You ready? Let's you ready? This. You unworthy piece of shit. I will fucking kill you! McBride stuff is so weird tonally. They'll have like really crude humor and really silly, profoundly silly stuff, but also stuff that is actually just kind of dark and takes you aback tonally because of the silliness <laughs> of other stuff that's going on. So they just burn a house down. I found that incredibly funny, but not quite as funny like when they they get her drunk on gin, uh, which she, she mentions that her, her and gin don't get on. And she just goes on like this rampage, which they film and then blackmail her with. And... Um, like when they're revealed revealing to her that they blackmailed her um walton goggins just goes off on some rant like we fucked you bitch we fucked you and he goes like i fucking spit in your coffee i stuck my foot through your favorite painting we fucking burned your fucking house down (laughs) then he just starts saying i showed porno to your kids and she's like you burned my house down (laughs) it's like one of the funniest fucking scenes (laughs) i've ever watched our boot to your ass your career as principal of north jackson high school is officially over we won bitch we fucked you up i fucking spit in your coffee i stuck my foot through your favorite painting we fucking burned your fucking house down. I showed porno. Burned my house down. <laughs> and there's like, there's another really great one where um, Walton Goggins just walks into like a teachers' meeting and just like says to Danny McBride, like, "Why don't you shut the fuck up, man? Nobody wants to listen to your misguided." Bullshit. Won't you shut the fuck up? Nobody here wants to listen to your misguided bullshit. What, what's the other? Oh, yeah. The, the other one is like a scene where Walton Goggins is bonding with Danny McBride. Like the two of them are. Uh, I think it, this is when they've just burned the head teacher's house down. And the two of them are like who kind of hate each other and are both totally self-interested, like awful people. Like they kind of like are trying to. Yeah, they're starting to find some common ground. And Walton Goggins is just like, you know, I always thought that you were the lamest, dumbest motherfucker I'd ever met. Just, you know, a real, like, nothing (laughs) individual. I'll be honest, Gambit. I've never had an ounce of respect for you. I just thought you were the lamest, dumbest person I'd ever met. Just somebody who was fucking nothing. Just someone who needed to spend their whole life on a fucking treadmill. A life loser. And it's just that, like, he says this at the start of, like, him saying, you know, now I see potential in you. <laughs> like, just, like, <laughs> fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, man. It, I, honestly, um, I really enjoyed that show. And then I watched the subsequent Danny McBride show, which Walton Goggins is also in, but not um, in a lead role, um, right. which is called The Righteous Gemstones. And it's about a very wealthy family of televangelists. Um, John Goodman plays the patriarch of the family. Uh, Walton Goggins is his uh, estranged brother-in-law. Uh, it's very funny. Goggins like playing older, um, taking ex- advantage of his massive forehead to, con- <laughs> to convey uh, somebody who is losing their hair. <laughs> uh, there's one episode actually which is set like 30 years in the past. 
So, like, Walton Goggins gets to play his own age, and John Goodman mm. has to play, like, 30 years younger and just looks exactly the same as he does in the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I've been enjoying watching those because just, like, good comedy is just uh, very much appreciated, you know? Yeah, for sure. people it's crowdsourcing